What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Cash It. I'm Howard Bender. Got Adam Ronis here by my side. Another week has gone by, Ronis, and there's all sorts of stuff happening here. The NBA playoffs, we're down to the conference finals. We're down to the conference finals for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, baseball, both our teams took a, a, a major tumble. Mine seems to be on the uh, on the way back up. Your bets, on the other hand, a, a totally different scenario. So how's your week been? I mean, if it has anything to do with the Mets, it's been shitty. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, it's just embarrassing at this point. You know, they had a stretch of 13 games against the Tigers, Reds, Rockies, and Nationals. They went 4-9. Like, that just cannot happen. So I thought that was like, all right, here we go. Maybe they'll turn things around, and instead they get worse. Now the Rays come in to City Field on Tuesday and smack them around. So they're now... As we're recording this in fourth place in the NL East, I mean, they're really only six and a half behind Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, you know how I feel about Atlanta, how good they are. Though they do have Kyle Wright and um, Max Reed out at least two months. So that, that that will hurt a little bit. But their offense is just so good. And they're great on the road. They're 16 and seven on the road, only 10 and nine at home. They're the only team in the division with a positive run differential. Well, I just noticed this. There's only three teams in a national league or four that have a run differential of plus 10 or more. That's insane. Uh, parody, man. Come on. It's about parody. I mean, and every, know, you, every team in the AL East is plus. Well, you kind of, you, you, you look at the way it's, it's structured in the, uh, in the AL versus the NL. I mean, let's start in the AL Kansas city, uh, the white Sox, and the A's have all been abysmal. I mean, right. absolutely abysmal and Cleveland hasn't really been that much better. You know, they're still, they're sub 500. They haven't won 20 games yet. Even the Tigers haven't won 20 games. Wow. You look at that, that the standings in the, uh, in the American league central. And there you are, you're, you're looking at it right there with the twins being the only team with a, uh, with a, a record above 500 um, in that division. So, you know, bottom feeders are getting passed around left and right. Meanwhile, when you look in the NL, nobody expected Pittsburgh to be where they are. And they're falling apart. Right. I mean, they are falling apart right now and it's, it's, you know, it's going to gravitate and it's going to change, but I don't think anybody saw the the Nats at 18 wins at this point in the season, the Rockies, uh, even with 18 wins at this point in the season, they're just, you, you haven't seen, you haven't seen that separation between the real bottom feeders and the contenders in the NL, like you do see in the American league. Like we've got the Marlins who are sitting in second place, uh, in the East, you got the Pirates who are in second place with the Reds in third. The Cardinals have been atrocious this year. You got the Diamondbacks who are are surprising everybody in the West. So, you know, you want to talk about like potential parity there in the uh, in the National League. So far, it seems a lot more prevalent there than it does in the AL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the AL, you have the AL East again. Every team over five hundred. Uh, just and the Rays obviously playing insane baseball at thirty two and eleven. And yeah, the NL, I mean, the Braves are really good. And then the, the Dodgers are playing very well, man. You know, everyone was like, oh, this team is not as good. They lost too much. And they've been playing great baseball. They won eight of 10. Um, they're 11 games over 500. So it's really the Dodgers and Braves right now is the only two really solid teams. I mean, give the Diamondbacks credit. They're five games above 500, even though uh, they've sent down two thirds of their starting outfield. Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy. That sucks if you have them in fantasy, especially McCarthy, who was going, you know, eighth, ninth round of 15 team leagues. I did not draft him anywhere. 
but uh, he helped me last year when he got called up with the speed. I mean, because you got the Mets who are underachieving and disappointing. The Phillies are disappointing. The Padres are disappointing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Cardinals, too. Um, it was funny. Oh, yeah, we had, the, I think it was us. We had the discussion last week about the Cardinals looking at the division. I was like, wait, plus 350. Fuck you, man. I want a better price. Because um, <laughs> I, I they, they probably could still win this division as poorly as things have gone. And they have played better. They won seven of ten. Uh, they still have some issues, obviously, with the pitching staff. And Libertor is coming up. Uh, making his debut as uh, later on Wednesday as we're recording Wednesday afternoon. So they, they could still win the division. And that's the other thing too. You know, we sit here and like, Oh my God, this team's it's May middle of May, man. We've seen so many times these teams have major second halves, the Braves, the nationals year, they won it. So I know it's easy to say, Oh, it's still early, but you know, no one is really out of it yet unless you're the A's or Royals. <laughs> Let's see the A's of the Royals. Um, yeah, true. I mean, I, 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 I just, I, I don't need to belabor the point anymore. I mean, it is, it is early. It is only mid-May. We're recording here on the seventeenth. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to, there's a lot to go around still. And again, we're seeing, we're seeing teams who are, who are succeeding right now who normally wouldn't, and vice versa. And, uh, and, and we go from there. I mean. The the real question for me, and I think for for a lot of people here, is how is that affecting your betting, and how is that affecting your fantasy reign? Uh, fantasy, it's been all over the map. I have some really good teams and some teams that are are struggling. So I guess it depends on who I have. Uh, my Tout Wars team has been really good. Um, I think that one's in second. Uh, my TGFBI team has sunk. I don't know what the hell happened. Um, it's down to 11th place. So that one is bad. My main event team is three. My main event league is so competitive, man. We were first on Sunday and then the next day dropped to seven. So right now, these are the standings 103 and a half, 101 and a half, 98 and a half for me and my boy Brian Ambos, 96, 92 and a half, 90, 88, 87, 83 and a half, 76 and a half. I mean, that is insane. Like it's just a, a real competitive league and only one team is in the top 100 in the overall, the first place team, and they're 61. So that goes to show you this was a real competitive, balanced league. So, you know, that team's in good shape, but I could easily come back next week, but yeah, we're in 10th. So um, my labor team, I think, is fourth. My FSGA team's third. Uh, my GST team is really good. My home league team sucks. This is probably the worst home league team I've had in a while. I had one year where I rebuild. I think I noticed it, like, in June or July, and I said it's a keeper league, so I said, all right, I'm trading to get players. That's the only time I've done it. I actually, I think that league's been going since 2004, and I've won it every year except two. So it's not looking good for me this year. So I say, I have to, you've won if you've won every year except for two, and it's been going on since what you said 2014. It's 2004. 2004. Uh, like you need you need better competition there. Come on. I mean, listen. I mean, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from your talents as a fantasy player, but if you're with, if if since if if this league has been going on for nearly 20 years and you've won every single year except for two, I mean, what's the entrance fee for this one? I mean, it's it's just it's, it's a, a it's what's That's that? Why I, I want to up it, obviously, and obviously you want to up it. But, I mean, your, your level of competition sucks, dude. Nah. Like, the there's, I'll say there are a few really bad players in there, but there's some really good ones. And we've had a couple that have dropped out because I guess they got frustrated that they couldn't win. So um, it's an auction keeper league. But yeah, this year, though, it, I'm not dominating at all. Um, 
So I have to figure it out. I'm so low in OBP. It's an on-base percentage league. I'm down in that category. So yeah, I'll probably wait another month. I mean, top three cash. Um, so, you know, I have to look and see if there's a way to get there, but another, I'll probably decide in another month, whether, whether I'm going to rebuild and trade for cheap keepers for next year. Cause it's not going well. I guess one of those players who has been disappointed on that team is Austin Riley. I didn't realize, you know, cause the Braves are so well, I didn't, I wasn't even, I was like, Oh yeah, Riley's okay. And then I started looking at his numbers today. I'm like, Holy shit. Fuck happened to this guy. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Sometimes when you don't look at like the stat lines, you know, you just assume you're like, Oh, it's Austin Riley. I'm not going to have to worry about him. Uh, and even if even if he is slow, you know, to start off, then you know you still mm-hmm. at least are in a in a point where you're like, ah, he'll he'll come around, and you don't worry about it. And then you know all of a sudden you realize, and you're like, motherfucker's been batting one ten for the last two and a half weeks, uh, with like you know one home run to his credit. So I, I I get that. I definitely get that. Still though, man, I don't know. I just have a problem with playing in a league that's just not competitive like that. It is competitive, though. I mean, last year, I only I barely I was not in first place most of the year and I had to come back in the last week and I barely won, I think, by one or two. Um, so and did anybody. Uh, so here's the question that that's that's you. And right. We know what kind of a player you are. But the question is, is what kind of effort did the top five put in there that you like suddenly like came from behind and ended up sneaking in on the last week? Oh, no, I mean. No, there was there was a couple other teams up top. Nah, they were real competitive up top. I mean, the thing is though, you got the teams like once we approach the trade deadline, there's obviously a lot of bottom teams that are like, all right, I gotta play for next year. So then there's a, a race to make those trades. And usually I don't make a lot of trades. And what happens is the teams surrounding me, they make big trades. And I'm like, I have to counter it because I realize if I don't make it, I'm not gonna win. So that's really what goes on is you have a lot of the top, you know, four, I think last year we might've had five that were really gunning for it and made trades uh, at the trade deadline. So, you know, that's it, the positive and unfortunate part of the keeper leagues, right? It's just part of it. Like you can't blame the teams that are near the bottom and they're out of it. They can't get in the money. Well, what are they supposed to do? Unload the guys who they can't keep for cheap prospects, draft picks. They have to do it that way. And yes, those trades oftentimes seem lopsided. Trust me, I'm there. I'm like, what the fuck? How did this guy make this trade? Puts pressure on me. Now I got to do it. And I, I've i traded uh, Juan Soto very cheap because I had to to win. I'm like, I'm all about winning this year, especially well when I'm in contention. This year is going to be dicey. I think I'm like ninth place right now. So I have to see if the team starts to get going um, and then figure out what I'm going to do. But right now, it's... It's pretty good. I mean, you got 112 and a half in first, 96 and a half, 90 and a half, 90 and a half, 87 and a half, 83. So there's a lot of, and I'm at 73. So I'm what? Uh, damn, I'm 40 out of first, 39. Shit. Uh, so yeah, it's not good. Yeah. I mean, listen, part and partial with one of the reasons why I, uh, I disbanded, uh, you know, my primary home league was because, you know, we, we did that. We had a, a little bit of turnover uh, as people started getting more and more frustrated with the fact that it was just, it wasn't about your fantasy prowess. It wasn't about your knowledge. It wasn't about, you know, slick savvy moves. It was about who made the most egregious dump deal at the trade deadline. You know, who, you know, uh, we, we'd see like five and six for ones for, you know, for keeping Juan Soto at like, uh, at even not even like a, like a, 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 a 
a huge price. Well, I mean, it's been disbanded longer than Juan Soto, but you know what I'm saying. You take whoever that top player is, and all of a sudden somebody's like, you know, they're trading power, they're trading speed, and they're trading a closer. And, you know, I mean, it's like all of that shit that gets piled up where the, the person who's making that that dump deal and just trading away that one player, you know, their focus is filling all of their categories. It's all about, I want to get, I want to make one trade that fills up all my categories and fills up all my deficiencies. And, and to me, yeah, that's a, to me, that's a shit move. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not just what the, what the overall game should even be about. And, and once it turns into that, you know, and maybe that's why they don't want to, you know, up the money on that, because I think once you up the money, like that, that becomes even more prevalent. And I, and I, I just had to say, you know what, fuck it, man. We, we, we can't do this league anymore. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not what was it the an, game was is it about. Was it an auction league? Was it an auction league? Yeah, it was an auction yeah, keeper see, league. I guess, and I've heard suggestions about this. I guess one of the things you can do is try to have a limit on the price of players that are involved in the trade. You know, like you can't exceed X amount. Uh, but again, I guess that doesn't completely solve it because you could have two or three cheap players that overachieved that year and that still might not counteract it. I mean, but you don't want like three 40 plus dollar players traded along with two others for like, you know, a minor leaguer, uh, a draft pick and, you know, a cheap keeper at like $4 or something. So, you know, I'm sure there's ways to counteract it, but yeah, that people do get frustrated by that. You have to know that going in, if you are going to play in a league like that, those trades happen. And it, trust me, it sucks. Cause I've been, on the other side where the teams around me are making great trades. And I'm like, what the fuck? But I also understand why the teams at the bottom do it. You know, I guess there's just trying to find that balance where like, Hey, you didn't really need to give up five players just to get one. Why'd you do that? You know, I guess because they don't give a shit. Like that's the well, thing. It's not that that they don't give it. I don't think it's that. I think you got to look at it from their perspective too, is they're trying to get cheap keepers for next year. So yeah, that, and they, that's, and listen, I understand. I, <laughs> I understand what their perspective is. But they, it doesn't matter to them if the deal is egregious or not, just as long as they're getting their cheap keeper for next year. So like how do we fix that? Instead of that? how do we fix it? Instead of just saying, "Well, I'm not going to play in the league. I'm going to disband it." I mean, again, if you don't like the league, I've always said it: don't play in it. But for the people who do like playing it and don't like these dumb trades, what's the way to counteract it so that we don't get egregious trades? I was thinking again, a cap, like, "Hey, you can't trade away." or acquire like plus $50 in salary. Again, that's not going to completely solve it because you will have right. players that are cheap that, you know, they, they could just do it that way. But then if they're that cheap, you would want to keep them. But there has to be some way to fix it that we don't have people just bowing out of these leagues. Unfortunately, though, there isn't. Like that's, that, that, that's the big problem is that there really isn't because the team up top, is is willing to to part with whatever keepers they have to in order to win this year. And they will turn around and they will say, well, if you want this, you know, super cheap keeper or whatever, I want this, 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 and this. Now the person at the bottom is like, all right, I don't give a shit. Here you go. You can have all of that because I just want my cheap keeper. Um, and and I get, you know, I mean, that's it's it's all well and good. I I've literally spent 20 odd years trying to figure out different ways to to counter all of those dump deals and the you know it's like you know it's it's like uh like one of those uh 
one of those those Chinese finger puzzle things or finger traps or whatever, where you the, the harder you struggle with it, the tighter it gets on you. And I think, I mean, that's really what it's been uh, to the point where, yeah, I mean, I tried, we, we tried so many different, you know, rules added and amendments made to the, to the league constitution, uh, you know, you have to protect a player traded within this window of time. You can't trade for a player with X amount of, you know, like we've tried everything with that and I have yet to find you know a, a single one now the problem for me I mean obviously I want to I want to play for money but I also think that that non-trading leagues suck and so that's you know it's the catch-22 uh for that you know obviously the NFBC says no trading when because money's involved and I get that and it totally makes sense but for the same token it's like, you know, trying to to piece together and scratch and claw off of the waiver wire because you can't make a trade. Eh, it's a little, little bit of a pain in the ass and, and, and eliminates a certain element of the fantasy league that I love. I love being able to, like, talk trade with people and, and you know, see about working something out. So I don't have an answer for you, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess one way to do it, too, is penalize people for – finishing last second to last they have to pay a price yeah, we, we, we tried it we, we it we didn't work it. loser lo- person who comes in last has to pay that we had the, we had the person who comes in the bottom three has to pay the the entrance fee for the top three teams the following season and nobody gave a shit they were like really? fuck that you know we had people drop out because of it we had people who were just like you know whatever okay oh so so and then all of a sudden it becomes you know, like a like a like a money trade where you're like, all right, don't worry about it, man. I'll give you everything I got, and I'll pick up your entrance fee oh, for next that's year bad. when for I real? finish people, in last. People were doing that. I mean, you just you you saw it. You just they, they you know they would swear up and down the line. No, 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 I don't care about that. But I mean, what's what's the difference between like you know saying I'm going to give you you know a top place team you know turns around and says, all right, I'll give you this guy and and a hundred bucks. And you give me these five players. And what if you don't win? Now you're out a hundred bucks. Well, then yeah, you're out out a hundred yeah. bucks. You take that chance. But you know what? If you're making that push and you finish in the top three, somebody's paying your fucking entrance fee next year anyway. You know what? No, this you know people need to hit us up. I'm sure people have good suggestions out there in their leagues that have something in place. But hit us up uh, and let us know. Um, Maybe there's something good out there. I mean, one thing I do, I've told you about this. This is a trade. I don't I don't remember if you liked it or not. You probably did it. But what I do for the trades is once the trade is agreed upon, right, I'm the commissioner, so I get a message. I post it on the message board. It's on there for 48 hours. So every other team gets to better the trade if they – if like, for example. So the whole point is not to go back and forth. The point is – Wow, I can't believe that's all you got for Jared Kelnick. I'd give you more. Okay, maybe you didn't have a discussion. So you go now and go, all right, you traded Jared Kelnick for Manny Machado. I'll give you Tatis. And the other owner goes, all right, I like that offer better. Now that trade is agreed upon. And believe it or not, most of the trades go through originally. It's not a lot of back and forth. So the reason to do it is to, again, so maybe there were five people who didn't have a conversation. They go, that's it. That's all you got. I'd give you more for that. Okay, go ahead. See if they take it. Um, and that's something we've been doing. And I'd say 90 to 93% of the original trades go through. It's rare that you get it overturned. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I, I get that. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this, uh, you know, th- this whole thing. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely, you know, it, it favors, but it also it favors teams that, you know, I'm not going to, because it, it kind of alters the dynamic that, you know, some people are talking trade and one person's sitting there or, you know, two or three people are just sitting there being like, you know what, I don't have to worry about this. I just need to see what it, what somebody's looking for and what somebody's willing to take for that and just beat that deal. Yeah, but if they don't, then you're stuck with a shit deal. Like if you're thinking it's like, oh, you know what? Um, I'm just going to offer this. Someone will give me better. It doesn't really happen. So no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is, is that somebody will just sit back and instead of like, you know, really looking into making some deals to better themselves, they're just waiting to see who's who's ponying up what at some point, like who. You know, just watching, you know, it's like three teams watch 12 teams make these right. deals and offers. And then they all they do, you know, each year is just come in and try and, you know, undercut a team on a deal. It doesn't really happen. It's usually the same group of people trading. I'm actually not one of them. Um, right. I just I just find it difficult. I get insulting offers. I just don't get it. Like people know what I do. It's like, do you really think? And I'm sure you go through this, too, if you're playing like in a home league and people send you dumb offers like, guys, do you not realize you can think that maybe I don't know, maybe you think we're not that smart. I mean, probably not. But whatever. The bottom line is, do you really think like we're going to click a button and be like, oh, wow, look at this shit. You're giving me garbage for this. All right, I'll take it. Like, really? Dude, I fucking like, go through that on a weekly basis. With it's Steve fucking Phillips. insulting, bro. Steve Phillips, dude. Oh, I know. I played in a league with him. He's insane. I mean, it's, you know. They get that over and over and over again. But yeah, I mean, to your point, yes, people who, uh, you know, who who know that I'm in this business. And like I said, that, that you know, that home keeper league that was disbanded was a, was a 15-teamer, uh, auction keeper. And, uh, and everybody in that league knew what I did for a living. And I still got, you know, shit-sucking trade offers. It's crazy. So... Yeah, I mean, again, that is a big challenge, though, these keeper leagues, and you're going to hear more of it. You'll probably get some complaints and tweets about it as we get closer to trade deadline, um, these dumb trades. So um, I'm usually on the side giving up young players and acquiring, but I might be on the other side this year based on the way things are going. I'm looking for cheap keepers next year, but I only do. Your team this year, you're going to be part of the problem, not the solution. No, man, I'm. <laughs> I don't even know. Do I have anyone that's good? <laughs> no, I have some good players. Like I, I have some good team players. Really sucks, man. It really is. No, it's it's really not. It's just I guess I'm I'm lacking. Well, my OBP is so bad. I I don't know what happened. But I mean, I have Alonso, who's pretty affordable. Matt Olson, Rosarena, Yoshida, Riley. So and then pit, my pitching's been good. Um, McClanahan, Gray. I don't have enough closes either, man. Um, but I, I have some trade pieces here. Um, and I have Yuri Perez as my minor leaguer. I haven't called him up yet. So I'll probably just hold on to him at this point. See, if I was in contention, that's a guy I would trade. You know, he becomes appealing for because he's a minor leaguer. So I didn't call him up yet. So you can keep right. him next year for nothing. So if I was in contention, I'd hold him and, and deal him. But um, again, I'm not giving up to yet because I know there's probably people who are like, oh shit, he's going to give up. Nah, I'm not. It's only May, but. You got to be no sense. No sense in 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 activating them now unless you absolutely know that it's going to be worth your while. Exactly. Um, You kind of have to play it. Like someone still has not brought up Josh Young. I don't know why. I think they have a pretty competitive team. I'm like, okay, uh, like, why are you wasting that for? But everyone has a different strategy. But yeah, this I I think it's been a pretty challenging year. 
for fantasy baseball because of all these injuries. And I know we've kind of repeated this every week, but it really is insane. Like how every day, like multiple players, especially with the pitchers and, you know, I, I'm looking at my good teams. They haven't really been hit hard by injuries. I mean, my Tau team has lost Corey Seager and Altuve, my second and third round picks, and they've been able to stay afloat. And both of those guys could be back this week. So that will really help. But if that team has not really been hit hard by injuries, especially on the pitching staff. The bats have been. And even my GST team, that's really good. Over 120 points in the second. You know, I lost Eloy Jimenez, but, you know, that's my fault. Uh, like Adam Duvall. My, <laughs> you lost Eloy Jimenez every day. Come I on. know, man. Like I said, I'm not drafting that guy next year. It it has to be really far for that guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I – I noticed the teams that are doing pretty well have not been hit hard by injuries. And I think that's one of the things this year, um, although my FSGA team is very good, but it has a lot of players injured, man. Uh, Lost Springs, O'Neal Cruz, just got JD Martinez back. Um, there was another pitcher I lost too. So yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be certain scenarios where if you got hit with a lot of injuries, it is difficult to overcome, especially in the pitching. Cause as you scour the waiver wire now for pitcher, pitching especially in a 15 team or what there's just not a lot there man and that's why you're seeing in these competitive leagues when these rookies come up people are spending money man because they're like hey uh he's coming up now could be up in the rotation for four months and what am i waiting for uh because a lot of the prospects have already come up uh, came up but we're already seeing more and more being called up every day but it's just really thin at pitching with all these guys going down with season-ending injuries uh, yeah, I've been hit with it uh, a, a bunch as well. We just lost Nick Lodolo, who's probably going to yeah. be out for the rest of the season, or at least the majority of the rest of the season. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, gone. That was a big one. After he had a great performance against the Yankees. I know. Oh, Next dude, day. believe me. Yeah. Rasmussen and, and Springs from Tampa, it's really, I mean, that, that hit hard. My FSGA team uh, in like the past, what, I guess two weeks, Jordan Walker got sent down. Uh, Jazz Chisholm out for four to yeah. six weeks with turf toe. CJ Crone hits the IL, as does uh, TJ Friedel. So, yeah, I have Friedel in a couple of leagues. So, how do you look at Jazz Chisholm? Because he's he does get hurt every year, and we kind of know that. But we know how dynamic he is. What, seven homers, 14 steals? Like, if he plays a full year, he could go 30-30. His counting sets are not great because of the team. Like, does your now that you have Jazz, because I didn't get him this year, I wanted him. I think there was a, a draft in the third round where he went one pick before me and I wanted him. So, like, you know, we, we talked about Eloy and we both dealt with it and now we're kind of tired of it. How do you look at Jazz now? Um, do you feel, does your opinion change him or are you going to be like, you know what, if he's there third, second, third round again next year, I'm taking him again. I'll deal with it. It, I mean, that's it. I look at him now exactly as I look at Eloy. It's the same thing. I mean, I, you know, a, a love, uh, you know, like a strong love for the player. You know, the talent's there. I mean, let's face facts. If these guys, you know, and, and, and it's no different than Byron Buxton. And I have to I have to start looking at these guys. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, you, you, you it's a must. You have to look at these guys the same way you look at a at a Byron Buxton. Um, it's it's no different in fantasy football when you're looking at a guy or you were looking at a guy like Christian McCaffrey. They're guys that who just have phenomenal talent who just don't stay on the field. Uh, you can take those chances if you want, but you have to understand that while the ceiling is crazy high, the 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 length of you know the the task of work that that's going to be at hand for you 
during the course of the season, huge, huge pain in the ass. Like when I drafted, uh, you know, Jazz Chisholm in uh, in this league, um, I also drafted uh, a little bit later uh, Nolan Gorman and Jonathan India, just, you know, based on where, where ADP was, because I was like, all right, listen, if Jazz gets hurt, like he usually does, you know, I, I've got second base and, and middle infield covered. And at worst, you know, what happens when, when everybody's healthy is that I just move Chisholm into the outfield and, and do it that way. And that's kind of, that's how I, uh, I, I went about it. So while Chisholm is hurt and he's out for four to six weeks, I'm not getting destroyed right now because, you know, I'm slotting in India who has been, uh, completely fine. Three home runs, eight stolen bases, batting 290. So I'm, I'm fine with that. And Nolan Gorman's got 10 home runs, batting 285. So I was like, yeah. okay, I'm good there. And it's just, it's a matter of now it's just piecing together some, uh, some parts in the outfield because <laughs> Luke Rayleigh and Eddie Rosario ain't going to get it done for me. Yeah, man. And Outfield, we knew going into the year was kind of thin, especially if you're in a league with five outfielders that you need to start. The thing about Gorman, they finally started him yesterday against the lefty man. I don't, I don't get it. Just let him play, man. Like the guy's been raking. Just see if these guys can hit lefties. Of course, there's going to be some that are just in it and they look brutal. Okay, fine. Don't play him. But I feel like there's so many managers that just don't give lefties a shot against left-handed pitching. And Gorman has just been so productive, man. So it burned me this week because I lost his, what is it, one homer five RBI game on Monday because in the NFBC, I have him in an online championship league, and, you know, we do Monday through Thursday lineups. He was facing a lefty, so that means he's playing two games uh, out of four. I'm like, I can't do that when I have Volpe, Correa, and Adamas. I'm like, well, I got to sit Gorman. Don't want to. And now Gorman, I, I don't know if that – that might have been his first start against a lefty this year. Um now I he is 0 for nine against lefties, but really I'm not going on nine. It's fucking nine at bats. I know rookie in basically a rookie season. Right. So, Dude, Ali Marmol, Ali Marmol sucks. Yeah, I mean that, they need to fire him. They, I guess, because as we alluded to, the division is so up for grabs that they're probably like, all right, we don't need to do something now. Um, and they have played better. They've won seven of ten, and uh, looks like. Uh, you know, Libertor is coming up. We'll see what he can do. And then Tyler O'Neill starts his rehab. I mean, that's another guy, too. I mean, you know that those two don't get along and everyone says it. Yeah. Trade O'Neill. Get something for him because we want to see O'Neill get an opportunity to play every day. We know he has the ability, the power and the speed, but it's got to be tough when you and the manager don't get along because it affects your mentality when you show up to the clubhouse every day. Oh, I'm in the lineup today. Oh, this motherfucker not putting me in the lineup again. Fuck you. You know what I mean? It affects your attitude. These yeah. guys are human beings. You know, as much as you want to say, oh, they're professional, get paid a lot of money, they're still human. They got emotions, uh, man. Dude, it's good. See, that's the it's gonna get worse. You yeah. see, they just brought up Oscar Mercado. Yeah, man. What? Like, what the I fuck mean, are you bringing up Oscar Mercado? Like, I get it. Now at this point, you you you're gonna keep Jordan Walker in the uh in the minors uh until Super Two free agency passes. You're gonna get that extra year hitting. of control out of him. He's not hitting, but you know, that could also be a mental thing. Like, wait a second, you guys had the confidence to start me at the beginning of the season. And just because I get off to a little slow start, now you're going to send me down? Like Slow start? What are you talking about? He was he was the best hitting outfielder on that fucking team. He was doing I mean, better than Tyler O'Neill, better than Lars Newtbar, 
He was doing better than Dylan Carlson. He was outproducing all these fucking guys, and they sent him down. I mean, it was okay. I mean, those guys weren't doing anything. He he had a 25.6% strikeout rate, 3.8% walk rate, two homers, two steals, and 78 plate appearances. I mean, it was okay. It's not like he was outstanding. It's not no, like no, he was- I'm not saying that, but he wasn't he wasn't doing anything that warranted the the send down other than the fact that they had too many fucking outfielders. Yeah, 718 OPS. I mean, it was okay. Again, I'm not saying he deserved to be sent down. They had a lot of outfielders. A lot of them were underperforming. But then, you know, think about it. You're a 20-year-old kid. You get to call the majors, 21. Uh, did he turn 21 recently? Oh, this bird. No, he turns 21 uh, this week. Happy birthday, Jordan Morgan, if you're I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just, I mean, their whole thing, the whole thing with Wilson Contreras, oh, he's not going to catch. Then he goes in there. Jack Flaherty has his best game. Like, just, it's crazy because we think of the Cardinals as a, a pretty good organization, and it's just has not gone that way this year. But, yeah, since Walker went down, uh, he's hitting 213 with a 338 OBP, a 311 slug. Um, only has one home run, but that could be, you know, partly like, wait, why am I here, man? You guys gave me a shot in the majors. I wasn't awful. You set me down. It could be a mental thing too, you know. And even 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 if he was tearing it up, say he went down there and tore it up, was he guaranteed to get called back up? No, I don't think he. It's not that he was guaranteed to get called back up. I. I don't like the way Ali Marmol runs this team. And and I know that they've been uh, performing better as of late, and that has nothing to do with Ali Marmol. Yeah. It doesn't. It has everything talent. to do with the players. They have talent. Yeah, they have talent. They eventually were going to play better. Yeah. Like, you couldn't tell me that Goldschmidt and Arenado uh, were going were gonna, to, you know, underperform the entire way. You couldn't tell me that. Wilson Contreras, that's been a problem defensively, but offensively, He's been, you know, he's been fine. The problem is, is that, you know, Marmo is sitting there and he's just, he's rotating in guys over and over again, rather than just letting them play where they belong. And then, yes, obviously moving Wilson Contreras to the predominant, you know, prominent DH spot, uh, screwing over, you know, because they want to keep Brendan Donovan's glove in the infield, but you can't keep Nolan Gorman's bat out. And, you know, it's just, it's been this, this constant rotation of uncertainty and 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 just a complete lack of consistency in this lineup and that's you know again that that to me that's the the manager that's the manager overthinking things and getting these decisions wrong on a regular basis uh we have some breaking news during this podcast kind of fits in with what we were talking about with injuries dustin may's velocity was down in the first inning and he went down the tunnel he's out of the game Ah, a right elbow pain is what they're saying. So, look, I wanted no part of Dustin May this year. I I could not believe how high his ADP was because he's a guy that people see the pitch. He's got great stuff, right? If you watch highlights of Dustin May and you see his pitches, like, wow, this guy's good. He doesn't strike anyone out. He's one of those guys that throws hard, but you don't get any strikeouts. I get it. He's on the Dodgers. The other thing I didn't get is, how many innings are you getting out of this guy? You know, like this is his career. 34 and two thirds, 56, 23, 30 last year, 47 this year. Like, so what were you expecting for where he was going? I just wanted no part of Dustin May. And yeah, he was off to a good start with a 268 ERA, but his strikeout rate is just extremely low, man. For a guy that told 17 and a half percent strikeout rate. 
And his career was 22.4%. And his walk rate, 8.7%. So I, I get it. He's hurt. I'm not trying to say, oh, because I got shit wrong this year. But I didn't just, I didn't get the infatuation with Dustin May. Like, he again, he's a good pitcher on the Dodgers, but how many innings are you getting out of him? He was, there were so many pitchers, I'm sure that you like too, the Joe Ryans, Pablo, that were going after him. I'm like, what? I'm going to take these guys. Dustin May has yet to show it. How many innings? And where are the strikeouts, man? 22-point uh, career strikeout rate for a guy that throws 97, 98 consistently? Is one of those guys that, you know this in this age of social media now, you see a lot of highlights of pitches, right? Oh, look at the movement on this pitch. Look at that swing and miss. That's great. And May has a lot of that. But where are the results, man? So I want to know part of May. I, it sucks. I don't want to see any guy get hurt. And we'll have to see what it is. But this goes back to what we were talking about before about these pitchers, man, just going down left and right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the injuries are, are you know, abundant as always. I don't have, a, you know, any Dustin May either this year. Uh, and, and it's not for, for anything other than the fact that I, I avoid pitchers who get shuttled back and forth in between the bullpen and starting. And that's kind of what happened with Dustin May. They always wanted him to start, uh, and, and he'd get those spot starts, but he was predominantly uh, a, a middle reliever. He wasn't, you know, and and that was, you know, you were like, oh, okay, if I can get like two or three innings out of Dustin May uh, for this outing, that's that's what, you know, Roberts was doing with him. You know, every time you see a pitcher like that, you know, again, how long did it take Kevin Gossman to to fix himself? Dylan Bundy was an absolute disaster. Um, do you know why Gossman sucked early on? Well, aside from the fact that he was going back and forth between starting and 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 bullpen and starting and bullpen and starting and bullpen, you're fucking up his arm. Well, he also pitched for the Orioles. Orioles don't develop any pitchers. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's why I threw D Dylan Bundy's name in there as well. But I mean, you know, take a look at take a look at any starting pitcher who has spent the majority of his time going back and forth. How about Ross Stripling? There's another example. He's he's actually pitching today, but I mean. Is anybody enamored with Ross Stripling and his 878 ERA right now? I mean, he looks like shit, and he's like another perfect example. The Dodgers just they back and forth, back and forth. The arm, it, 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 you show me any – I'd like to see you point me to a major leaguer who spent the first, like, couple of seasons in the bigs going back and forth between spot starts and, uh, and, and you know, predominantly – bullpen work and was actually and has actually become a productive starter i'm sure there's probably a handful not a lot i don't know can't think of anything off my head right now but i'm sure there's a couple but yeah i mean i just thought may like was being overvalued because huh? i saw so I, I was like happy when people took him because pretty sure like a joe ryan went after him uh pablo lopez a lot of guys, even Springs and Rasmus, and I know they got hurt, but uh, like those guys, you know, um, I guess I don't, you know, here, I mean, let's so, face it, Adam, you know, it, you, you, again, you mentioned it, it's Twitter. It's, it's fantasy baseball, Twitter. You see pitcher ninja, uh, pitching ninja sends a, you know, puts out a, a, a tweet about a guy and everybody else, everybody, you know, in the fantasy community drops to their knees with their mouths open. 
Yeah, I mean, and great. You know, <laughs> you, you can look at pretty much any pitcher in baseball is going to have a great highlight reel, right? They're in the majors for a reason, but that doesn't encapsulate everything. And again, made those 97, 98 does not get strikeouts. And here's one thing. Did you have this conversation with Bodie yet? Because I think some people are starting to say, oh, the pitch clock. That's why guys are getting hurt. I have no fucking idea. But have you had that discussion with Bodie yet? No, I don't think we have. Uh, we we haven't talked about the fact that the you know the pitch clock and speeding everything up is causing it. I'll bring uh, it I, up. I'll see what yeah, he has bring to it say. up. I'm I'm interested to see what his take is. I mean, he obviously talks to people like because I'm seeing that being floated around now. I I don't know. Like I don't know how you can make that conclusion after a month and a half. You know, I, I don't know. So I'm just curious that people who know about the game or talk to people if that's something that's being thrown about, if that's a possibility or it's just, it could just be random, right? Pitching is not natural, bro. <laughs> you know, you're throwing 95 to hundred guys get hurt. It's just the way it is. You're not supposed to, your arm's not designed for that. Yeah, I'll bring it up. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and obviously Dustin May coming out of today's game uh, and, and, you know, Nick Lodolo with the, uh, the stress reaction in his, uh, in his tibia, I think that, you know, I think if if that's what it's being said, I mean, I haven't heard you. You've heard people say that it's the pitch clock. People, I've seen speculation on Twitter. People like, yeah, this is the the pitch clock. This is why it's happening, speeding up the game. I guess not as much uh, recovery time between pitches. I mean, I saw Kenley Jansen the other day had three pitch clock violations. Man, like, jeez, bro. <laughs> uh, so again, I I have no idea. I don't even. I think people just guess to sometimes like why would you say that what's the data like do you have anything behind it or they're just looking for reasons i mean it could be valid i i really don't know i don't think i have the ability to make that assessment uh, i'm definitely gonna i'm gonna bring that up because i you know because i think the pitch clock and i think the the new rules that we've been dealing with that have sped up the game i think have been fantastic i think it's been uh, you know much better to um you know, I, I just think it's been better for the game. Uh, and I, I like these, you know, I, I love a nice little like two hour game. Gimme, gimme. I'm a busy man. I got a lot of shit to do. So, but I will bring that up. I'll tell you what, man, I will bring that up. And uh, for you guys listening, uh, today is uh, today is Wednesday. So Wednesday, May 17th, uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. You'll find the uh, you'll find it on demand. Uh, but Adam and I will discuss that uh, next week as well, just to kind of uh, give him Jim's thoughts uh, on this. But, yeah, we'll definitely uh, bring that up and uh, and see what the uh, what the word on the street is. We know what the word is on Twitter. We know what the word is on social media, but perhaps the GM uh, has some uh, MLB front office uh, insights for us there. Maybe he's talked to a couple of people about it. We will uh, – You'll definitely have to see. He's got a great relationship with Andrew Friedman, so perhaps maybe uh, he'll look into Dustin May's injury uh, and maybe we get a a little bit more of an answer, I think. Definitely be nice. Um, All right, let's kind of – let's let's, give us a good opportunity here to switch gears, Adam. Talk to me about uh, about the NBA for you. I mean, we're we're wrapping it up right now. I mean, listen, you got Lakers Nuggets in the uh, in the West. The Nuggets uh, they they took down uh, the Lakers already yesterday, so up one nothing in the series. 
going into this whole series, the the Nuggets were the favorite, not just for yesterday's game, but they were also they're also the favorite to win this. Um, much more lopsided over on the uh, in the eastern side. I think uh, to win the series, the Celtics were a minus five seventy five favorite over um, the Miami Heat, who are plus sixteen hundred to win that the Eastern Conference. So um, my feeling about the East is I'm just going to leave it be and not give a shit unless somehow the Heat win two out of these first four games. If this you know series becomes two two, then I'll like start to pay more attention to it, but. I think the focus here is over on the West with, uh, you know, Jokic battling AD and LeBron. I think that's really, um, you know, going to be a a very strong battle. It's going to make it for a good series. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly the more appealing series. And you saw it in game one, just uh, if you like high scoring games, just really fun game. I mean, Denver was unconscious in this game. They just couldn't miss a shot. They did taper off a little bit in the fourth quarter. The Lakers made it close. They got within three, but eventually lost by six. I mean, Denver shot 54.9% from the field, 46.9% from three-point range. But the Lakers shot just as well, 54.8% from the field, 45.8% from three-point range. Both teams shot pretty well from the free throw line. Lakers were a little bit better. The difference in this game was the rebounding, man. Denver, Denver destroyed them on the boards, 47 to 30. I mean, and on the offensive glass, 15 offensive rebounds for Denver, five for the Lakers. So Lakers did make some adjustments late in this game. They put Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic. Jokic did not have a big fourth quarter. Uh, still a finish with 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. I mean, clearly the best player uh, on the floor. Anthony Davis had a big game with 40 and 10. LeBron was solid, almost had one assist shy of a triple-double. So really fun uh, first game. And... Denver's a very tough place to win. Uh, they're great at home. I watch. It'll be like a low-scoring game the second one out. This uh, this game also, too, was I haven't seen any numbers. I'm sure the sportsbooks got destroyed on props. I hit a six-leg parlay, and I didn't even – the only Jokic prop I had was Jokic five assists or more. I mean, I could have I made a lot more money. Um, and I put, like, decent – like, I put Anthony Davis over 22 and a half. He had 40. I had Austin Reeves, 20 points, rebounds, assists, or more. He had 33. I had Michael Porter, 20 points plus rebounds plus assists. He had 27. Uh, Jamal Murray, over 18 points or more. He had 31. So I could have upped these numbers. I know it's hindsight, but, I mean, they got destroyed because I'm sure there are people who are really aggressive, like Anthony Davis, 30 points or more. Jamal Murray, 30 or more. Jokic, 30 or more. They got destroyed. So, um Obviously, both teams are not going to shoot this well again in game two, but I do think this is going to be a fun series that goes pretty deep. In the East, everyone's going to pick the Celtics. I think the numbers, though, are ridiculous. Um, I understand Miami is an eighth seed and they don't have as much depth. Boston is just a hard team for me to trust. I think they're going to win, but Boston just has these games where they let teams back in. Like, they were down 3-2 to Philly, okay? They lost game five at home. That was more... Philly not even showing up in game seven. Like the comments from Embiid are just comical. He said, well, it can't be me and James Harden carrying this team. Both of you guys were shit in game seven. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing if Embiid went out there and scored 35 and Harden at 28. Those comments make sense. You guys both were shit. You know what I'm saying? Like a crazy man. And I know the MVP is a regular season award. And everyone last night's like, oh, Jokic, the real MVP, he should have won it. Embiid had a great year. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, we clearly see Jokic as a better player, man. 
Um, and Jokic won't care if they get to the finals. But Boston is just a team that they kind of play down to the level of competition at times, and they give these games away. They did it against Atlanta. They did it against Philly. I can see Miami winning game one because Boston came off the emotional game seven, even though it was kind of a blowout, and they do have like an extra day. Um, but we've seen it in the past. When you play that game seven, it's kind of exhausting. And even with the extra day rest, it takes a little bit out of you. So I can see Miami winning game one. I think Boston wins the series, but like the line is just ridiculous. Like they're like massive favorites and they, Miami probably has the best coach in the NBA and Eric Spolstra phenomenal job. What he's done to get them here as the eighth seed. I mean, knocking off the bucks and remember too, they were in the playing tournament. They lost the first game. They had to win. Um, the next game to get in. So, and Jimmy Butler, he's amazing. Uh, so I think Boston does win, but yeah, this series doesn't have the watchability appeal that Denver Lakers does. Cause you got so many storylines, you know, with Jokic and LeBron and Davis and, you know, a lot of people not believing in Denver as a one seed, a lot of people still dogging Jokic, man. It's like, dude, if you want, this guy is phenomenal, man. He makes his teammates better. <laughs> Like he does that. And that's the thing. He doesn't even force shots. He doesn't take like 30 shots from the field. He did a couple times in the last round, but 17 shots from the field. Yes. Uh, on game one, 12 is 17, you know, like it's just, he's just phenomenal to watch. It's a real skillful player. So um, again, the Lakers did make some adjustments in that game late, which was kind of interesting. Uh, so yeah, that series is going to be great. And Boston Miami could be a tough watch at times. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami gets this to six games. I think everyone's just kind of rolling out the red carpet for Boston. I think it's going to be easy, but Miami is a tough team, man. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to make it easy for Boston. And again, Boston, I can see just when you're ready, like, oh, here comes Boston. They have that letdown game, man. So that, that's my concern with them. Okay. So would you, um, I mean, at, at this point, well, I mean, it's, you know, uh, for for our listeners out there, it doesn't really matter because this game will be played. Um, but if you're betting uh, tonight's game, uh, are you taking the Heat plus the points? It's eight and yeah. a half. Yeah, I take the plus eight and a half. I I don't see them. I see them being ready to play a little extra rest. Boston an emotional game seven. Um, Miami's been good in. I think they're yeah they're two and zero in games one in the playoffs, and they went both on the road. So um, yeah, I like I like Miami to cover. Um, and again, this Miami team beat the Bucks, um, and they could have, and they pretty much handled the Knicks pretty easily. You know, I mean, the Knicks were fortunate uh, to win one of those games. So uh, they're very well coached. Um, and the Heat won two games in Boston's last year. These the conference finals is a rematch of last year. So, um, and I, they have a massive coaching edge. You know, Missoula is a first year head coach. He's made some questionable decisions late in games with timeout usage and everything. Uh, so, yeah, I would take Miami in game one to keep it close. Right on. Right on. Um, all right, so conference finals underway for the NBA. Let's uh, switch over. Have you, had any, uh, have you had any chance to watch any uh, any NHL action? A little. I mean, once the Rangers were eliminated in Miami. Interest really dwindled, but I watched some of the game seven cracking stars. Um, so yeah, I've watched a little bit. Yeah, just a weird, weird NHL season as well with the teams that are there, man. Just uh, I mean, what's going on in Miami this year? You got the Heat as the eighth seed in the conference finals, 
the Panthers making it upsetting the Bruins. So uh, things going well down there in, in Florida, man. Well, they gotta they gotta make up for the fact that that the Dolphins are gonna shit the bed again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two is gonna get concussed in week three, and then we're gonna spend the next six weeks discussing whether or not the guy should retire. That's that's what Miami's that's what Miami's got going on. <clears throat> Right. That's why the Marlins are in second place in the division right now, because they just got to throw everybody in Miami something because football season is going to be uh, a bit of a shit show for them. And that Marlins lineup, especially with jazz out. Oh, my God, bro. It's just so bad. Yeah, it's it's horrible. They might as well. I I heard they were going to bring Mike Lowell back. Might as well. (laughs) Can't hurt them any further, right? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Listen, uh, I, I think we're we're good here for today. I, I, I don't really have too much else going on here. I, we don't need to dive in too deep into the NHL at all because neither one of us are really watching too much of it. Uh, shout out to Florida Panthers for, again, proving that all you need is a hot goaltender and some good defense, and that's what's going on with the uh, – with the Panthers. So kudos to them. Yeah. I don't really have anything else, man. I'm like, just kind of put my head down. There's uh, you know, I'm going to sweat some, uh, some MLB best bets. Uh, had a good day Monday after uh, John and Pemba's wedding. Let's congratulate John and Pemba for getting married. Congrats. How was it? That was a great time. It was definitely a great time. But, uh, you know, I like took off from, uh, from, you know, betting that weekend, even though, and every, like literally everybody's like, Oh, you can you can bet now. You can bet now. I'm like, I'm not signing up for anything until it's legal in California. And, you know, I'm not going to you know, I, I've got my guy who lays my action for me in New York and and that's it. And that's that's you know, that's that's all I need. And they're like, oh, you can put a bet down. You can put a bet. I'm like, I'm not going to ha- open up a fucking account right now because I want every bo- every promo code. That comes my way once California opens up and it's going to take a little time, but um, I'll do it that way. So, uh, so yeah. So aside from, uh, you know, people hounding me though, but since, you know, we've been back um, nice little three and O action on, uh, on Monday, yesterday, uh, my bets and my props that I threw out to everybody uh, on Tuesday, all hit. And so feel good about today, uh, today's action as well. So uh, keep an eye on the MLB best bets moving forward. Uh, you always you always want to jump on it when somebody's getting hot again, and uh, and and that that seems like me at the at the moment, uh, especially after uh, getting shit on by bullpens for <laughs> for like a couple of weeks there, uh, which was just absolutely brutal. But no sense in looking back. Always looking forward, Adam. Always looking forward. So. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, any any hopes and dreams you want to share with everybody? I just hope the Mets win a game soon. That's all uh, I'm asking no. for right now. I mean, they finally <laughs> they they called Mark Vientos up, so we'll see if he can spark the lineup. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's that's all they have to keep doing. Just keep bringing up rookies, and uh, and maybe something will click. I mean, it's better than Mark Kana, Daniel Vogelbach, and that trash they're running out. Yeah. That, that is true. That is true. Well, I wish you nothing but the best, Adam. I hope it all works sure out you do. for you. I mean, you have to root for the Mets against the Rays, right? I don't have to do anything. I mean, okay. If I said to you, who do you want to win tonight, the next two days, Mets or Rays, who are you picking? 
I'd have to say the Mets. Exactly. Thank you. Because you're chasing the race. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm it's not like I'm lending you support. Like I didn't I say expect, you were. I don't I expect, expect the race support. to win. I don't expect support from you. I know how you are. <laughs> you got that knife ready to stab me in the back. <laughs> it's already in there. You just can't feel it right I now know. because I've severed your spine and you can't feel anything in your lower extremities. Yeah, once you twist it, I'll feel it. <laughs> On that note, we're going to cut on out of here. Big thanks to everybody for liking and subscribing and giving us a listen. Uh, for Adam Rodas, I'm Howard Better. This has been the Cash It Podcast. We'll catch you next time.